Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Congratulations for you folks that's when graduating, either from high school or from college or grad school or law school or medical school. Well, you know what? They'll be looking for a job soon. If they're looking for a job, they got to look the part. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. they got a great, great line of clothing for your younger folks. And not necessarily something tailor-made, but also something custom-made. A wide variety of shirts, blouses, skirts, towels, you name it. Not towels, exactly. But you know what I'm talking about. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. The next item on the agenda is proposal number 156, referred to Public Safety and Criminal Justice Committee. Chairman Robinson. Thank you, Mr. President. Proposal 156, 2023, amends Chapter 451 of the Revised Code regarding public health and welfare, specifically weapons, and adopts gun safety measures to take effect and be enforceable only upon the removal or repeal of restrictions imposed by state or federal law. Matt Giffen, Corporation Counsel, Office of Corporation Counsel, stated that Indiana General Assembly enacted a law in 2011 that preempts local government, including Indianapolis, from regulating any aspect of guns, ammunition, or firearm accessories. Mr. Giffen and Randall Taylor, Chief of IMPD, reviewed a presentation uh, which included these gun safety measures by the administration, banning semi-automatic assault weapons, including the military-style guns such as AR-15s, using the most recent attack on IMPD officers, raising the minimum, weight, minimum age to purchase firearms from 18 to 21, and ending, and ending permitless carry of handguns and concealed carry all firearms in Marion County. Councilor Barft moved, seconded by Councilor Boost, to send Proposal 156 to the full council with a due pass recommendation. Motion carried by a vote of 9 to 4. With Councilors Ine, Bain, Deal, Kamari, casting the negative votes. Mr. President, I so move. Motions are properly moved and seconded. Are there comments from Councilors? Uh, Councilor Mowry. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, with this Proposal 156, the Office of the Indian Attorney General has reviewed the language of this proposal. The Office of the State Government's highest-ranking attorney has determined this council may not lawfully pass or enforce Proposal 156 for two reasons. First, because it it's in violation of Indiana State Code, and second, it conflicts with Article 1, Section 25 of the Indiana Constitution. Indiana Code prohibits political subdivisions from regulating firearms, including carrying and possession of them. That's statutory law. Section 25 states, no law shall be passed the taking effect of which shall be made to depend upon any authority except as provided in this Constitution. That's constitutional law. The plain language conflicts with state statutory law, but Proposal 156 also relies on dependent language. 156 is uh, a completely toothless proposal unless the state legislature reverses course and takes a specific future action. The Office, of the, the Office of the Attorney General has determined the City County Council cannot rely on dependent language because, of, because on its face such language violates Article 1, Section 25 of our state constitution. I'm following the legal opinion of the Office of the Indiana Attorney General. I'm voting against 156. I'm voting against this because I disagree with the toothless language and the policy itself, but also because it plainly violates state statute and state constitution. Thank you. Very good. Additional comments from Councilors. Uh, Councilor Brown. I'm surprised the Attorney General took away his time from uh, his obsession with children and Target and swimsuits to do anything about this. But this is really important. 
I was in eighth grade when Columbine happened. I was in college when Virginia Tech happened. I was a teacher when Newtown happened. And as a counselor, I sat with all these colleagues as FedEx happened. And now every day, I drop my child off, I watch my baby walk into that school, and I wonder when we're finally gonna say enough is enough. And you may call this toothless, and this, this is us taking a stand because it's too much. When are we gonna get, a, like, when are y'all gonna have the balls to just do something about it? And that's what we're doing. It is beyond frustrating every day to hear about this. Every day to hear about gun violence in our city. And we need to do something. I know the FedEx shooter's mother. I know everything she did to try to get the guns taken away from her son. I know that she was failed by every system, whether it was city, state, or federal system. Because when they took the gun away, he went and got another one and just called him and said, hey, I got another one. And they didn't do a damn thing. So this may not go into effect tomorrow, but when there's finally some common sense people in that damn state house, this will go into effect and people will be safer in Indianapolis because of it. Council Boots, and then um, Chairwoman Jackson. Thank you, Mr. President. I'm speaking tonight in strong support of Proposal 156. I cannot help but feel that these recent escalating gun violence events are simply yet another brick in the wall of the public's growing numbness to the desperate need for meaningful and reasonable gun, gun ownership laws in our city and state. After Columbine, Sandy Hook, El Paso, Las Vegas, Orlando, San Jose, Buffalo, Uvalde, Tulsa, Highland Park, and just recently over this past holiday weekend, Philadelphia and Baltimore. In the city we'd never hoped to hear in that discussion, Indianapolis. Mass shootings have increased dramatically in our country over the past couple of years. Must we continue to see these mass death events regularly on the evening news? The mixture of an out of control proliferation of guns and the ease of obtaining one under Indiana's lax gun laws, combined with inadequate and underfunded mental health system, is a dangerous cocktail that's leaving our children and loved ones dead in our streets, our homes, our workplaces, and, God forbid, in our churches and schools. More than 100 violent deaths and over 230 wounded in our country every single day by guns. The New York Times reports that more Americans have died from guns just since 1975 than in all the wars in U.S. history dating back to the Revolutionary War. Every gun access, easy gun access, leads to a woman being shot dead by her current or former partner every 16 hours in this country. If you own a gun, the chance of you or a loved one's dying by a gun, is, by the mere fact of that gun being in your home, is considerably greater than mine. We've had more deaths by accidental shootings in the home so far in Indianapolis than in the entire year of 2022. Ironically, most deaths by gun are by suicide. Access to a gun in the home increases the risk of death by suicide by 300 percent. 
As Americans, we boast that we're the shining beacon of democracy and prosperity in the world. Yet we kill each other with guns 25 times the rate of any other high-income, so-called civilized country. Gun violence has become an ongoing public health epidemic in our city. It's time for a meaningful, fact-based conversation about gun violence in our city and one of its primary causes, easy access to guns due to the proliferation of now unlicensed firearms. This is not merely a problem facing a few. This is a systemic crisis in our community, threatening our core ability as Americans, as Hoosiers, and as residents in this great city we call home to thrive and prosper in the future. This is also a direct and unacceptable threat to the men and women of our IMPD and Sheriff's Department. And may Deputy Durham rest in peace this evening. Unfortunately, Indiana is going in the wrong direction in the proliferation of bills introduced again in 2022 and 2023 legislature, each intended to undermine sensible and safe gun regulation in this state and putting our citizens and law enforcement at much greater risk. This lack of common sense and effective gun safety management at the state level has a direct and deadly impact on the streets of our hometown, Indianapolis. Gun violence impacts us all, and gun extremists want the courts to allow guns in every space, in every situation, even when it's deadly. When will this madness end? Personally, I find the gun lobby's oft-repeated thoughts and prayers incredibly shallow, offensive, and no longer tolerable. By my comments this evening, I am not attacking the Second Amendment or wishing to take any legally owned firearms away from our citizens. We simply need to insert some common sense into gun safety regulation here in Indianapolis and across the state. To that end, I urge you to turn that pain and sorrow you feel for those past, current, and assuredly future victims of mass shootings and gun violence in our city into positive action to affect change in the community by contacting your state and locally elected officials and supporting gun organizations and public-private initiatives operating in this space. More specifically, I urge you to support increased funding for reasonable gun safety legislation and mental health support services, including expanded background checks. An overwhelming majority of Americans support enhanced background checks. Resurrecting the federal ban on assault rifle and high-capacity magazines that was allowed to expire by our own U.S. Congress. Improving the red flag law in Indiana supporting an expansion of mental health and substance addiction social services in Indianapolis, and other similar reasonable and common sense measures that will most assuredly save lives. I also encourage you to support advocacy groups working on these crises with your time and to the extent you can, your money. More specifically, this evening, I urge my fellow counselors to approve Prop 156-2, once and if the state's preemption law is lifted, ban the sale of military-style semi-automatic weapons, 
raise the age of a person eligible to purchase a firearm from 18 to 21 years of age, reinitiate gun license requirements, and repeal concealed carry authorization. While there's obvious state-imposed restrictions on what we can do legislatively on this council to directly address the proliferation and ownership of guns in Indianapolis, tonight's passing of Props 149 and 156 are steps in the right direction in an attempt to interrupt the cycle of violence often brought about by guns in our city. We, the people of Indianapolis, can make a difference when we make our collective voices and pocketbooks heard. Until we, the people, take action and improve our gun safety regulation laws, we can expect more shootings, more deaths, and more thoughts and prayers from the gun lobby and those legislators in their pockets. We have witnessed this deadly combination firsthand in our community far too often. Let's all pray the next deadly news headline doesn't involve you or a loved one. So I encourage those of you here tonight and those watching at home, please go out and get involved and impact positive change in your community toward reasonable gun safety management. And I implore my fellow counselors this evening to vote yes on Proposal 156. Thank you, Mr. President. Chairwoman Jackson. Thank you, Mr. President. Those people at the State House, I can say, probably have are, are far removed, don't know the impact of gun violence um, and those guns that cause deadly impact and harm and danger and even death. I'm going to tell you a story because I do. Indianapolis made national news October 2015. And you know how I know? I was there. Do you remember the target shooting? I was there. Now, I didn't get shot, but I was among many that there were so many riddled bullets between the mall and Target, we could not get through to 911. You could hear the gun, you could hear the shooting, they said, a half a mile or more away. This is what we were told. I was faced with the gun and he was shooting. People around me were shot. But I had injuries where I, I, I spent nine months in physical therapy and occupational therapy. My blood pressure was 295 over 175. For over two hours. They had to transport me to the hospital by ambulance. And they said, ma'am, if we don't get it down, you're gonna cold, you're either gonna have a heart attack or a stroke. I have PTS to this day. My only thought that I could fear, that I can think about were two things: trying to help others get out the way. And I said, Lord, my prayer was, don't let my mother come up here and identify me with a bullet in my head. That was my prayer to the God. I couldn't get through 911. I had to crawl. I was injured. I hid up under some clothes in Target. 
And when I couldn't get through the busy signal, trying 10 times the 911, I said, well, let me call my mother. She answered. I said, Mama, I don't want to scare you, but this may be my last call. She said, what's wrong? I said, are you watching the news? Is anything on the news? She said, yeah, something's going on on the east side. I said, what? She said, there's a shooting going on. I said, I'm in that shooting. She said, I'm on my way. I said, I don't think you're going to be able to get in. I think he's in the building. I don't know how many it is. There's so many guns. Shoot, there's bullets everywhere. So to your state legislators, let me tell you, I was there. You can walk in a family-friendly store and have loads of magazine bullets going past your head. You tell them I said no. With children, pregnant women, elected officials. I was elected official at that time. Brand new, I was one. There were people shot. Think about the people who don't die and the millions and millions of people who still survive that are in nursing homes, breathing machines, comas. I thank God that he spared my life and provided me grace and so many others that were in that store. We hugged each other and we finally came through and they secured that store. A security officer found me, a target security officer. And I said, please don't shoot me and kill me. And he said, ma'am, I'm not. I saw his gun. He had a gun on him. I didn't know if he was the, if he was the perpetrator or not. And I held my hands up. I said, you know, but if you are, let me say a prayer. He said, ma'am, I'm not going to shoot you. He said, and he showed me a shirt. I'm with Target. I'm the security officer. He said, I can see you look like you hurt. Let me help you. These are the fears we have to walk around as citizens. So when you tell me the rights of people to the rights of people who have the fear to walk around, I know about that. I'm a living, walking, breathing testimony. I hold my peace walk every year to stand in solidarity with other people. And some people here today who have lost family members and loved ones to gun violence. So this proposal, I wholeheartedly support because we have to do as Americans, this same balance to go, if it goes on in other countries, they put an end to it. But here, it's supposed to be the greatest country in the world. We let this type of balance go on and it's okay? The home of the great, it's not okay. Folks, it's not okay. It's not okay. And our babies, I wanna say, Godspeed for our babies for women of domestic violence who died of gun violence. Officer Leanne Brief. Leaf, um, the far east side, 
where I represent. And I'm just going to say this and I'm going to end. And I said, why don't people get it? And I hung out one day um, in, in um, Noblesville. I was looking for something specific. And somebody told me go to the shops in Noblesville. And I, I, I decided not to take the highway. I took the back roads. And I let the windows down, cut the air off. And I said, it's so peaceful. These roads are peaceful. And my friend was riding with me. And I said, shh, do you hear it? And they said, no, what do you, what do you mean? So I don't hear no gunfire. That's what we used to on the far east side. We rode for a few miles, nothing. And I said, that's what it is. And they said, what? I said, they disconnected, they don't get it. They removed from it. It's not at their front door. They don't understand. This is not their life. See, they go to work, home, they get to go to the park and play with their kids. They get to go shop freely and carefree. And don't worry about a gunman coming into the store or their schools, potentially kill their, their loved ones or even them. And they looked at me and a tear rolled down their face. And they said, they don't get it, do they? I said, no, they don't understand what we live on a day-to-day -day basis. Thank you, Mr. President. Chairman Gray. Uh, Mr. President, I stand in support of proposal number 156, but I have one question. If we pass this tonight, what, how can it be enforced? If I get caught with a uh, rifle or whatever and arrested, if this doesn't override the state, how can I be prosecuted? Let me ask to come forward someone from um, the Office of Corporation Counsel. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, the answer to the question is it, it cannot be enforced right now. It, it will only be enforceable uh, upon the contingency of state law and the state constitution changing. Chairman Oliver. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, it's kind of an emotional thing here that's taking place this evening. Uh, it happened many, many times. Many, many times. Uh, just a little while ago, uh, I was only this tall, uh, six, seven years old, and I was standing in line to buy a piece of penny candy and there was a gentleman there was a man in front of me and he had a weapon and he was a police officer he was the good guy with the gun I was not afraid matter of fact 
There are several with us this evening, right over there. I'm not afraid. He was a peace officer. Now, a few years later, I'm standing in line, buying some coffee. There's a couple of men had weapons. They were not police officers. And I was afraid. I said, I was afraid. They were armed. They didn't bother anybody, but I was afraid. We've gotten to the point, evolved to the point to where like it's normal to, to be afraid, to be scared, uh, up to and including the language that's used. We want the, uh, the good guys to have weapons, including school teachers to teach kindergarten classes in case, just in case made it easy for many, many people, persons, to have weapons. And this proposal tried to draw some attention to some things should be instituted so that they cannot be licensed to carry a weapon. I want to acknowledge the presence of my mother. represented by the Moms Against Demanding Justice Action. Mothers, you see a mother's tear when she had to bury one of her own children. That, that ain't, I don't, I don't know, this first Second Amendment, founding fathers. What are you talking about? <laughs> got armed school teachers. And you got grandkids in a kindergarten class? Where, where are we at? We're in the city of Indianapolis, state of Indiana, in America. We're not. Someone move us to, I don't want to pick out another country, but. Are we somewhere else instead of right here in the city of Indianapolis? We're talking about it's okay uh, to have weapons in the classroom. Anybody get one, just stand in line. You know, people holstering up. I, I'm a little, everybody sit on their own bottom. When I'm in a store and there's a person brandishing a weapon and they shouldn't have it. That, that's scary and it's still scary. When I leave out this door here, on the way home, I may stop and give me some coffee. If there's someone, if I see a weapon, if I see one, and it's not by officer friendly uniform, my practice is, in my household, leave that area. Don't wait and see what's gonna happen. 
you see somebody brandishing a weapon, get away from them. Mr. President, I, th this is really terrible. I mean, just in a few years, I mean, just a few years, we went from to where you get they push a button and you get, at least I did, just a few years back, I think it was 2017, I said something about banning automatic weapons and a button was pushed and I got about 20 emails. None crossed the line, just stuff, you know, mind your own business, blah, 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 blah. It's scary. Uh, it is scary. So I want to thank uh, Mr. Poops. Uh, they were really good, really good. And Compton Jackson, and especially the mothers, again, the mothers are trying to lead the way because they have humanistic qualities, humanities, perhaps some of us men lack. So I want to thank you all for coming out this evening. Thank you so much. And a big hand, a big hand for And certainly for those officers over there. Look, right there. Thank you very much, all. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you so much. Councilor Bain. Thank you, Mr. President. I'll be very brief since most of this was already discussed in committee, but this proposal changes nothing in our city. Uh, it's pretty unfortunate that the mayor's public safety agenda is pointing fingers at others and blaming them for his public safety crisis. It's the same thing as the road funding discussion that we had just a few minutes ago where we point fingers and blame others for problems in our city. Leadership cannot be about pointing fingers four blocks to the west of us and blaming them. If we were serious about tackling our city's public safety crisis, we should be spending our time and energy on actionable proposals that will bring real meaningful change and not this political propaganda. I have to believe, I have to believe that's why the Fraternal Order of Police, which represents IMPD and their families, oppose this proposal. Lastly, if someone tells you that this proposal makes Indianapolis any safer, they are not telling you the truth. Councilor Hart. Thank you, Mr. President, and, and I'll equally be brief. I mean, I think we heard some pretty emotional testimony here um, this evening. We heard from uh, Mr. Giffen and the Office of Corporate Counsel about how far this will go. We've heard you know, messages from the Attorney General through our leader. Uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me is uh, you know, hearing some of the comments from my fellow counselors about traveling up to Noblesville. And what, what really made an impact was thinking about through that and thinking, you know, I don't want to chastise any of my fellow Hoosiers here in the state and, and say anything bad about them. But what, what kind of stuck out to me, which I think we could consider as counselors, uh, because it does take teamwork, it does take learning from other people, is that in Noblesville, 
they have peaceful places to go. They can play in the parks. They can go to the store. They don't have to worry about getting shot. But they didn't have to ban guns to do it. So maybe we should go talk to our friends in Noblesville and see what they're doing and start doing some more of that in Indianapolis. Chairman Muscari. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. President. In my district, just over the weekend, <clears throat> two children were shot, a 12-year-old and a 13-year-old. A 12-year-old and a 13-year-old. You know, you say this doesn't mean anything. Actually, it does. We're raising up an orange flag, a red flag to the state house, and say, look what's happening here. You guys have got to do something instead of just giving out guns the way you're doing it. It's insane. Thank you. Chairman Barth. Thank you, Mr. President. Just a quick comment. Um, I think it's important to note that uh, what I'm hearing from my constituents is that they believe that the people of Marin County have every right to have self-determination. And when it comes to this issue, they want us to take action on guns. We are not allowed to take action on guns. We're doing the next best thing. We're expressing their opinion loudly that we would like to take these actions. We want to take these actions. Let us do it because this is self-determination. This is what the people of Marion County want. Chairman Jared Evans. Thank you, Mr. President. There's been a lot of discussion about the uh, semi-automatic van, and rightfully so, but a lot of things have been missed in this conversation. The common sense things that the majority of Americans agree with, the fact that you should be able to have an extensive uh, age requirement and that an 18-year-old can't walk into a store and go out with a semi-automatic is ridiculous, and I think most of us agree with that. Um, and so I, I don't want us to lose sight of those things because when we're having this conversation, the reality is we can't do anything about it because of state law. And as Chairman Bark just mentioned, this is the next best step that we can do. And let's not forget what just happened at the General Assembly where they took away the ability for permits, which I haven't talked to one officer who said that was a good idea. And I've talked to a lot of Southwest beat officers. Um, I think we all agree again, common sense. You should have to get a license to carry an arm. Think about all the different things in our life that we have to have license for. Um, so I, I don't want us to lose sight of those common sense measures, which the majority of Indianapolis residents agree with, Hoosiers agree with, and Americans agree with. Additional comments from councilors? All right, seeing none, let us proceed to the board for a vote. Okay, very good. Motion carries 18 to 5. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.